Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Good morning, good morning. I'm really excited about this show today because we're going to be talking about social media investigations, and I have... Joseph, um, I just blanked out, Joseph Jones with me here, a California investigator from Southern California, uh, to talk about his specialty that uh, he's developed in social media investigations. Good morning, Joseph. Hey, good morning, Francie. Thanks for being on the show today. You're welcome. I'm excited. I'm excited, too, because this is something that's uh, near and dear to my heart because we're doing it on almost every investigation. Um, Before we get started, though, uh, there's a bunch of, a whole gaggle of uh, conferences coming up that I want to uh, tell everybody about. The Florida Association of Licensed Investigators coming up May 2nd to the 4th. If you're interested, www.fali.org. They're going to be at the Double Tree at the entrance of Universal Studios. Oh, my goodness. That's going to be a wild conference. And then the next one coming up is NCISS, National Council of Investigation and Security Services, 429 to 5-1 at the Capitol Skyline Hotel in Washington, D.C. And that's the annual Hit the Hill where folks can go talk to their congressmen and talk and educate them on private investigation and security services. And then... The Cali Conference, California Association Licensed Investigators, is going to be in Las Vegas this year at the Westgate Hotel, Las Vegas Resort and Casino, May 30th to June 1st. And then last, can you believe this? This is like one right after the other. Uh, the NALI Conference, National Association of Legal Investigators, July 18th and 19th, again at the Doubletree Hotel, but this time in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So, Plan your schedule. These are all great conferences, great content, great education. And those of you who are interested, you can go to their uh, websites just under their name. Um, you know, uh, you know how to do it. You know how to Google. So uh, there you go. So Joseph, um, you know this is so interesting. And, and you mentioned to me offline that your your father was um, in this legal field before you got involved. So tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, so my back in the early 80s, uh, my dad had decided he wanted to start a new career, uh, so he went to work as an in-house investigator for a law firm where he had a, a friend who was a, a partner. He did that for several years, really enjoyed it, and decided he wanted to start up his own company. So he, uh, he teamed up with one of his friend, the partner at the firm, to start, uh, to start his own business. Um, and that's kind of where our name comes from. So the partner's first name was Boyd, and my dad's name was Scott. And so they just kind of smashed the names together to call it Bosco, moved it into the kitchen of our of our house in the Inland Empire, and that's how go. the company got started. <laughs> so what was what was your dad doing before then? Uh, he was he was a magazine salesperson. Um, really. And it, 
Uh huh. And, and it's really interesting to hear him tell the story because he was, uh, you know, he was really successful and he was he was doing really good. Um, he was their top salesman, you know, year over year. And he he hit a point where he realized, hey, like I'm I'm not going to be able to keep growing here. Like I've already kind of topped out, and you know they he, they weren't going to let him into management because you know the structure, whatever. And so he decided he didn't really like working for you know other people. Um, so he when he became an investigator, he actually took a significant pay cut. Um, which was a challenge for him because at that point, you know, he already had, you know, uh, four little boys at home. Um, and, right. you know, my wife's, or my, my mom rather stayed at, stayed at home. Um, and so, uh, but he, he thought it was worth taking a chance and he did and it, and it's turned out quite well. I love hearing about how people get started in this business because it comes from all areas. And, and so then he provided, uh, a, a, literally a platform for you and your brother to work in. Are, it's just the two, the two brothers, or the all four brothers working there? No. So, so now, now in, in total, there's there's six kids in my family. Um, it is uh, working for um, Bosco. Now we've we've got about sixty employees now. Um, but within um, the within the family, we've got my brother Jeremiah is the CEO. Um, I'm the vice president. We've got my brother Job. He's uh, our office administrator. Um, and then we've got a few other family members who are also involved in the business as well. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. And is your dad still living? He is. He is. He and he he is still um, involved in the company. He he's still our our president. Um, it, it, at this stage of the game, his involvement is coming into the office for a couple hours a day. You know, counting the money, going out to lunch. You know, uh, coming back, counting the money again, and then uh, and then going home. <laughs> um, no, but no, I, we we te- we tease him about that a lot. No, he. He, he is still involved, and he brings, still brings a wealth of knowledge to us um, as, as we're growing it. So he's not very involved with the, you know, the operations, but he is, uh, you know, still, still plays a, a pivotal role in the organization. You know, that's just phenomenal. And you must, when he sits back and reflects, he just must be so proud of all of you and about how the business has grown. So cool. Yeah, it's you know we we love it. For family business is not for everybody. Um, right. There there are cer- there are certainly challenges, but between um, you know my brother Jeremiah, my dad, and I, we each have our kind of unique personalities and different things that we bring to the table. So it's taken us several years to you know to find to find the right flow, but we've got the right flow now where we can really talk openly, hash stuff out, you know, have a good disagreements where we each bring our own perspective and then we come to uh, you know a solution that's you know better than any one of us could have come up with I'm sure that's true you know more brains together work well so yeah. uh, so Joseph uh, did you start out in the business did you do something else before you were with Bosco um, so yes and no. Um, so I mean, why I started sweeping the parking lots, you know, when I was 13 years old and, you know, taking out the trash and all that kind of stuff, um, <laughs> through, uh, through, you know, so I worked, I worked through the company, you know, kind of on and off through high school. I took, uh, I took a couple year break. I went and served as a, as a missionary, um, for a couple years. And then when I came back from being a missionary, um, I wanted to be a social worker. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's what I started to go and in, go into school for, and I was I was still working for the company um, at, at that point, just with the idea that it was going to get me through college. Uh, and then once I was uh, you know getting close to being done with college, I was probably in like my junior year. We had an opportunity, um, or rather a, a need um, arise, where well, one of our branch offices we had purchased another company, and then the other company. The, the owner he was supposed to stay on, and it ended uh, ended up going sideways. So Jeremiah came to me and he said, "Listen, like I, I know you know this isn't your long term plan, but in the short term, I need you to go and get this get this deal under control." Um, so I so I went out and did that and found out that I really liked you know growing the business and working with the clients and and doing all of that. Uh, and so at that same time is when my wife and I were starting to talk about, you know, having a family and I was starting to look at the salaries for social workers and I, I just decided, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with this thing and, uh, you know, uh, make, make it, make it my career rather than my, you know, short term job. Interesting. That's fascinating. Um, and just what were you planning on doing as a social worker? What was, what were you thinking about? So, so I was I was actually in a program at Cal State San Bernardino through a Department of Child um, Child Protective Services, where they were actually going to to pay me to finish school and then give me a job for CPS. Um, and so, so the idea was, you know, working with children in those you know really challenging situations and, and helping them uh, get out of them. That's exactly what my daughter does. <laughs> I know oh, all about oh, that. Good for her. Good for yeah. her. You know, and, and, and some, sometimes I, I do feel, and I was actually just talking to somebody about it yesterday, um, sometimes I, I feel a little bad that I didn't go down that path because, I, you know, I felt like there was, you know, probably a lot of, of good I could have done. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time, um, you know, I've, I've found a lot of other ways to, you know, to give back and to serve um, outside of my career. And there's still, you know, certainly plenty of times in the career as well that I'm able to do that. Very good. Well, good for you. I, I, this, uh, this is such an interesting uh, background you've given us. Thank you so much. So um, so today you're going to kind of teach us a little bit about doing social media investigations. Yeah, so we, 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 can, we, can, chat a, we can chat about a, a, a few things. Um, what, what, what are your questions? What do you want to know? Well, let's, let's just start with um, where do you start? Tell you know when when you get a call from uh, a potential client about doing a social media investigation, t- tell me where you start with that. Yeah, so and I and I guess even even before I answer that question, maybe I can lay even a little more foundation. Um, okay. So what 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 we're talking about with social media investigations is is much different than a lot of what's being done in being called social media investigations, right? So there are, you know, one of, one of the starting places for us to your question, um, but also just kind of a, a general, um, you know, piece of information is that a lot of what's being done and being called social media investigation is like, you know, kind of like these database reports, right? You can run, you know, through any, any one of there's, you know, there, there's dozens of these, um, you know, information scrapers out there that you feed it, you know, a name, a date of birth, uh, you know, address, and it'll kick stuff back and say, all right, here, here's your account. Um, 
so that that's certainly a starting place, but it gets so, so much deeper than that, and there's so many avenues um, that you can run down. Uh, so so to your question, you know, hey, where do, where do you start? So first we gather, and this, this is, you know, an often, you know, overlooked piece, um, but really important not just to social media investigations, but any kind of investigation, is we, we start by making sure we're collecting everything that the client knows. Right. Some, you know, all we get, we get clients. Most of our clients are either insurance companies or law firms, and they're super busy. They've got a million things going on, and they they love to want to send us a name and a date of birth and say, "Hey, go do a social media investigation on this person." Right. Right. Uh, and so, so the first thing we do is we we try and lovingly pull out all the information out of them that we can. You know, all right, you know, I know you know more about this person than their name and address, right? Can you send me deposition transcripts? Can you send me, you know, form rogs? What other information do you have so we can see as much of the picture as we can before we dive into the investigation? Uh, Which it's important in every investigation type, especially so, though, in social media investigations, because sometimes if the, if the person that we're investigating um, doesn't have any social media accounts, we've got to know where else we can look for information about them. Um, so whether it's through friends, family members, neighbors, you know, coworkers, there is oftentimes, you know, that the client will have something in their file that will indicate, hey, here's the people that they're going to be closest to that you want to look, you know, look at. Right. And so um, just, just to be clear, Joseph, um, can you give me an idea of the, of the purposes that law firms and insurance companies are looking at social media? Why are they interested? Yeah, so... So there's, you know, there, there's, a, there's a million and one reason. Um, what, I, what I tell people is if you have a question that you need an answer to, there's a, there's a good chance we're going to be able to get you there or at least get you close with social media. Certainly, you know, the, the lion's share of the work that comes through the door is, you know, personal injury type stuff. Right, you know, this person's got involved in a car accident. They're claiming that their life has been significantly changed. You know, neck and back problems. They've got, you know, they used to be able to do X, Y, Z. Now they can't. Um, you know, quality of life has gone down. That that's a lot of what we we look at. And certainly, there's just so much on social media that's able to speak to that kind of stuff. Um, you know, good, bad, or ugly, right? You know, right. It, it, I, I, don't, I don't care if the person's hurt or not hurt. It makes no difference to me. What I care about is that my client has the full picture, right? That they right. can see, all right, yes, this person's hurt. No, this person's not. Um, aside, aside from that, you know, we're, we're often looking to establish relationships between individuals. Um, I, had a, I had a case... Uh, recently, um, this one, you know, pretty straightforward, but there was a, there was a car accident and the, the other side produced a very significant, uh, you know, there was a pregnant lady involved and the baby passed and it was just, you know, just really terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other side produced witness statements from 
four different allegedly independent witnesses who saw this accident, all that were very, you know, all the statements were very damaging to, um, you know, my client's, uh, you know, perspective. And mm-hmm. so, so they sent it to us and they said, hey, these are supposedly independent witnesses. Something seems a little bit hinky here. Can you look into it? Um, so we went and we did our thing and we found that all of these people were close friends, right? We also found that they, you know, the, the person driving the vehicle, you know, was, was their friend and that they were all really into the car racing community. And, and so we were able to use all that to, you know, paint a bigger picture um, mm-hmm. of, of what happened that night and how these people got involved. So did it turn out that the uh, people that said they witnessed it really didn't witness it after all? So I, I, I don't have the answer to that question yet, but the, the strong belief is no, that they were just making this stuff up to help their friend out, that some of them weren't even there. And again, with social media, um, it's, not, it's not always just as easy as saying, oh, they were tagged in this you know, place at this time, but mm-hmm. we are able to pinpoint people's locations at a specific date and time. Um, and so, yeah, so, so in this particular instance, no, we don't, we don't believe that they were there and that they saw it. Um, and we believe that, uh, you know, they're, they're certainly biased and, and, you know, and trying to help their friend. So let me ask um, you, uh, Joseph, uh, on another show that I had uh, a while back, we talked about geofencing where you mm-hmm. can designate a certain area that you want to concentrate on. Do you do that as well? Um, we, we, don't, we don't do that as much as we used to. And the reason being is the technology for that is not as good as it once was, right? There, there was a point in time several years ago where that was just like, you know, super awesome, loved it, used it all the time. But most of the major social media platforms cut off that kind of access, um, you know, through their APIs. So, so now the data that you can get using, you know, a lot of the geofencing softwares really doesn't hit the major, you know, the major platforms. And, you know, the, the, you know, the data can, can become, you know, kind of stale. I mean that 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 being said, there is there's certainly you know still a you know still a place for it and you know still a use for it, but mm-hmm. where it used to be you know successful in seventy five percent of cases, now it's successful in twenty five percent of cases, and and the and the the technology is fairly expensive for the good stuff. Okay. Okay. Now, so this is probably the answer to this is obvious, but I want to hear what you have to say about it. Why would you hire a, a private investigator to do social media investigation? Why not just do it yourself? Yeah, so, so that, 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 is, that is a, that's actually a really good question. You, you know, you're, you're, you're saying it, it's simple. You know, here, here, here's the problem. You, so we all, we all know professionals are better than the general public. Right. You know, most 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 people aren't going to think if they're thinking about investigation, you know, you know, surveillance or whatever, they're probably not going to think, oh, I'm going to go sit in a car for 12 hours and, you know, conduct surveillance on somebody because I don't know how to do it. Um, With social media, it's a bit of a different beast because, you know, everybody uses it. Right. And everybody thinks they're an expert you know, it, it, it's social media because, because they've got a working knowledge and because they spend, you know, six hours a day on social media. Um, 
However, you know, just, just like with anything, you know, there's, there's knowing how to use it and then there's knowing how to use it. Um, and with what we're doing, you know, it, it's super important to hire somebody who, you know, knows what the heck they're doing because if you don't, you have a false sense of security, you know, where you think something thorough has been done and then you're leaving all kinds of information on the table. Um, it is, I, I, you know, per, perfect example, and this, is, this has happened dozens of times, uh, which is one of the reasons we're, you know, we're growing so dang fast. But I, I got, this was just like a couple months ago. I had a, um, a law firm reach out to us. They had a, they had a huge case um, that, that they were working on um, that um, they, they needed information on, and they had used, you know, a, a normal investigator, you know, somebody who does surveillance and, you know, witness statements and all that, and they, they had, you know, some ability for social media, right? So, so this law firm had had a social media done, and it came back, you know, no accounts found, or, you know, we only found one or two accounts, there was nothing on them. Um, the, we had never worked with the law firm before, but we had worked with the insurance company. The insurance company told the law firm, hey, you need to call these guys to do a social media investigation. And the, the law firm, you know, they, they like contacted us once and then they never sent the info. And then I got a call from the insurance company saying, hey, did you ever, you know, did you ever do the case? And I said, like, uh, no, you know, we never got the details. So, so apparently the law firm didn't want to do it because they thought it'd be a waste of time because right. they'd already been done. So anyway, so they sent it to us and um, we, we've, we found information that was case changing, right? Very significant. Um, really? the, the evidence, and I won't go into like the super specifics because right. this, this case is still being litigated, um, but, but we, we found a very significant case-changing information. And after that, then the law firm understood, wow, what, what's being done here is not what's being done everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, before they, they, would have, they would have moved forward with the assumption that there was nothing valuable out there and um, paid out a lot more money than they should um, having that, you know, false sense of security. Um, and now, now it's, you know, drastically changed for them. It's very interesting. And, and so, um, so there's a lot of, of the database type uh, social media uh, companies, search companies. And so yep. how do what, how does what you do different from the way they gather data? So, so, so I'll, I'll speak to it a couple ways. First, not throwing anybody under the bus, right? right. You know, the, right. The, the software, the software companies, they, they serve a purpose. Um, you know, they're, they're, you know, they, they, they have, they have a value. Everything that they're doing is based on artificial intelligence, right? You know, taking, taking certain pieces of information aggregating it together and giving you what you think or what it thinks is the most relevant. Um, but that's, you know, that, that's kind of where it ends. And, you know, certainly they've, they've got an element where they can start touching on friends and family and all that, but they're, they're severely limited in what they can bring in because it's not, you know, um, it's not a person um, who can, you know, review and analyze and, and think the so so that that's that's probably the the biggest um, that's the biggest distinction. You know, they they can build in into these databases some of the you know advanced 
Boolean search operators that we use. However, um, you know, things change so, so rapidly um, mm-hmm. that, you know, a per- perfect, perfect example. Um, well, before I jump into that, I don't want to get ahead of myself. So, so things change so rapidly, there's no way for a database to, you know, come up with um, the, the correct information consistently because mm-hmm. what makes sense on Facebook search today is not going to make sense in three months because Facebook is going to change something. And then it's going to take the databases a while to, to catch up. Um, you know, a perfect example of this. So back in, frankly, almost exactly a year ago, Facebook had the um, Cambridge Analytica scandal. Right. Um, you know, every, everybody's getting mad at Facebook for selling data. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of laughing about it because it's like, well, what do you think they were doing with your data? Right? You think, you think, they, you, you think they make this platform for billions of people because they like you? <laughs> no, they're making a buck off of your data, and that's, you know, that, you know, that's what they're there for. But, you know, that, that's a side conversation. Um, so everybody got, everybody got mad at Facebook. They had the, you know, the, the con- congressional hearings. And then Facebook goes through, and they, like, they cut up their API, which API is the... Um, the interface that faces outward from Facebook for companies to get Facebook data, right? So there what, used what to be a, all kinds of really good. What ones. does API stand for? Um, uh, they, you, I forget. API. Okay. Google. <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. Um, okay, but I'll sound, but I'll um, sound informed if I use it. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah. So, so it's, it's basically, you know, the outward facing data that, that Facebook pushes out. So they, um, they, they, they hacked it up because, you know, they, they wanted to limit the data that was out there. So a lot of the tools, they, they broke. Um, but people didn't know they broke. So like they're, you know, they're running these searches. It's coming back with nothing. And they're thinking, okay, you know, uh, there's, there's nothing out there. Well, it, you know, it just turns out that the software companies hadn't, you know, adjusted yet. Mm-hmm. You know, Joseph, we need it. This is a good time to take a quick break because we need to give our sponsors some time. So let's do that and then come back to this after the break, okay? Great. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com PI Magazine is the most respected magazine of the professional investigator. We feature stories and articles on current trends and issues, equipment reviews, tips, and practical advice. Don't miss the new and exciting year in PI Magazine. Subscribe today at PIMagazine.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress 
and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. We're back with Joseph Jones uh, talking about social media. And so we were just talking about how uh, the database providers that do social media, that specialize in social media, can keep up with the changes in the social media platforms like Facebook and all of these. And so so when you're doing it, how do you keep up, Joseph? So, so part of it is, I mean, literally, you know, every day I've got a team full of people who are going through, you know, engaging all these platforms. So when somebody, when one of them makes a change, we know it that day. Um, for example, you know, with, with Facebook, when, you know, uh, they cut back their API about a year ago, there was a technique that we had used that we would, uh, in the search bar, a lot of people didn't realize you could do this, but in, in the Facebook search bar, you could punch in somebody's phone number, and if they had an account linked with that phone number, it would pull up their account. Um, so that was a technique we used all day long. It was awesome. We loved it. Well, one day, like, that just stopped working. Um, and so, so we're, we're, like, we're like, geez, you know, that's a bummer because it, it saves so much time locating accounts, right, right. especially for people with especially for people with common names. Um, so, so we're like, all right, you know, what do we do? So, so we had to figure out a process internally where we could, you know, still find accounts based on either, you know, phone numbers or email addresses that, uh, you know, Facebook no longer gave us the easy functionality, but we, you know, we, we put our heads together, thought, of, thought about it, and came up with a way. Um, so we're still able to do it. That's um, that's fabulous. That's a really um, interesting thing. I wish I knew how to do that. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. You know, so, in 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 a, in a big a big piece of it is you know hire you know for us hiring people who you know they're smart. They know how to think. They're actively engaging with this stuff. So you know, I don't just have like a room full of worker bees who do what they're told. Like I've got you know really experienced smart people, you know, I try and hire people smarter than myself, uh, that, that we can, you know, put our heads together collectively and, you know, and come up with solutions when, you know, challenges come. Yeah, that's, that's fabulous. I, yeah, that's fabulous. The sole operators like me out there that uh, don't have the ability to, to have that. So, so this, that brings me, I know you wanted to bring this up, but brings me to what makes a good social media investigator. All right. I'm glad you asked, Francie. So, <laughs> you know, there it, 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 it's interesting. Um, you know, we've we've had um, as as I've mentioned, we you know we've had a lot of growth. I you know I, I literally created this 
you know, this concept and this process of social media investigators, um, investigations for a company. Um, so in the early days, you know, I was, I was doing it all myself, you know, kind of part-time on top of everything else. And, and since then, um, you know, we, we've grown a lot. I think my investigations department right now, I think we've got about 15 employees um, full-time. Um, and then, you know, some other independent contractors and whatnot. And so I've had to, and it's been a learning process, and I'm still far from, you know, having it figured out. Um, but I've had to learn a lot about what it takes to be, you know, a good social media investigator. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. Um, but one of, one of the things that is really important that nobody would ever say this is not important, right? But paying attention to detail. Um, the, you know, attention to detail is so critically important for um, this type of work, even, I believe, even more so than the rest of investigations. And, and it's important for all investigations because there's so much nuance on social media and the internet, and there's so much information You've got to be able to slice through it all and, you know, remember, you know, sometimes you're working a case, you know, we're looking at thousands of web pages, thousands of posts, and you need to be able to have things stick in your brain so they click when you're 2,000 pages later and you're like, holy cow, what I'm looking at right now now makes a lot more sense based on what I saw, you know, 2,000 pages ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, attention to detail is you know, is really, really important. Um, you know, also being able to think outside the box. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the challenges for any investigator is getting, getting stuck into a rut, right? You know, you do the same thing on every case. It's, 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 a, it's a challenge as an investigator to stay out of that rut because there's certain things that you're going to do on every case. Um, and it's, it's easy to forget about other techniques or tactics or tools. Um, but for a social media investigator, um, you've really got to, you know, and, and I have, you know, within our office, I have, you know, a couple different like checklists and sheets for people to look at regularly just to make sure that there's, you know, there's not a, a technique that they're, they're forgetting or a Boolean search operator that, you know, they haven't used in a while so, so they don't forget. Mm-hmm. And so do you have a, um, hmm, how do I put this? I know you can't print out possibly every, all 2,000 pages you're looking at. Do you have a way to, to document or, or track what you're looking at? Yes, um, absolutely, and and I will, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll throw a, a shout out. I, he he probably won't listen to this, but I've I've a, I've a buddy in the industry, Justin Seitz. Um, he created a software platform that not only organizes the information as you and get investigate it, but it forensically preserves it on the fly. Is that is that right? Hunchley? That's Hunchley, Hunchley. right? Yeah, yep. yep. I'm familiar with that. Yep, yep, nope, Hunchley, Hunchley is what I recommend. There, there are a lot of other tools out there. Certainly, Hunchley has its, its limitations, but um, it is, um, it's by, by far my favorite, and even, even more than the software itself, um, working with the team at Hunchley is awesome. Software companies are notorious for terrible customer service, um, terrible personalities because they they like computers better than people. Um, Hunchley is not that way. Super responsive. They know what they're talking about. And 
the the platform is built by investigators, right? Mm-hmm. You know, ju- just Justin, I you know, I tell him I always try and have somebody smarter than myself that I can reach out to when I've got questions. Um, and 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 Justin's that guy. He's got he's got wealth of experience. And so so yeah, so we use this software. Um, to you know, to to keep track of the investigations and to you know preserve the posts that um, you know are are later going to become evidence. Mm-hmm. Right, because that's uh, you you brought up an important point. Let's let's talk about that since you brought it up, um, because this is a legal process. It could end up in court, and so what does it take to preserve the evidence so it's uh, certifiable in court. Yeah, great, great question. This, this, this is one thing um, that's super important. The, the courts and attorneys are starting to figure out how important this is. But in order for a piece of evidence to be um, admissible in court, you have to not only preserve the post itself, you know, what it looks like on the user interface, you've got to preserve the metadata um, behind it. That's the HTML code that has, you know, all the, you know, all the information that you need to be able to authenticate within it. And then, in addition to preserving that metadata, you also have to put it through a process which is called hashing, that it's creating a digital fingerprint. So the other side, if they want to validate or challenge your evidence, they can take the metadata that you have, run it through the hashing algorithm, and make sure it hasn't been edited or changed. Right. And so, so that's, that's, you know, that's part of, that's part of what Hunchley is doing as you're going through. It's preserving and it's hashing. So it's defensible. Um, you know, certainly people are getting away with, without doing this process still. Um, but, you know, as the case law continues to develop, people become more aware. Um, we're going to be seeing, and it's already, we've already seen it quite a bit, but we're going to see more evidence getting kicked out of court because it can't be authenticated, um, you know, in this manner. Right. So, so how do you deal with fake data? And since that's become a major topic of conversation these days, how, how do you deal with that? Fake data. So I, I mean, it kind of it kind of d- depends on the context, right? Because there's a lot of different contexts um, where you know fake data could come into play. But probably the most the most common is fake accounts, right? Information being disseminated through you know accounts that are not authentic. Um, so the the first the first piece of that um, is really pretty straightforward, right? But as you're, as you're looking at content and finding content that you believe is pertinent to the case, could be used as evidence, you need, you need to dig into that to verify the source, right? So just because it, you know, comes from an account or a website that purports to be from you know, John Doe, you need, you need to vet that out going through, you know, the links on that, Pulling the pulling the data, who the websites are registered to, or if it's social media, you know who their friends and family are, if they tie back to the real known friends and family. Um, that's you know that that's kind of, that's kind of the easier piece. Um, in the context that that I'm talking about, you know, extracting all this metadata and see if, see if it's been manipulated, um, that comes up much less often 
but in that in that case um, you would you know you would go through you know whatever data you have and you can run that through the hashing algorithms to make sure you know nothing was nothing was tweaked nothing was changed so one of the things that's come up in the uh, say past few months is that people are able to edit video videos to change them to say what they want them to say instead of what they originally said do you have you run across any of those um so so yes and no so one, once you start talking about that you're taught you're starting to talk more digital forensics um, which you know I'm 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 not an expert in. Um, I've I'm 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 dabbling a little bit, but I I have an expert that I work with that I will send him the stuff. Um, but but yes, there you know I I'm familiar with it enough, and and have dealt with it enough to speak to it a little bit. But yes, you can you can take you know so any any given video, and you have to you have to be using. Uh, specialized softwares, but you can go through and look at the look at the data behind the video and see, you know, that that the code has been changed or that it's been put through, you know, platforms that are manipulating the original data. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about something that's posted, say, on Facebook. A video that's posted on Facebook that uh, is not what it's supposed to be. Yeah. So, so on, you know, specifically on Facebook, um, with that. You one of the, one of the real challenges, um, and, and and if it's coming straight from social media, it's even a, it's it's a much bigger challenge, because when you upload something to any of the major uh, platforms, they strip out the native data from the content and they assign it new metadata. Um, so in something that comes from Facebook, uh, we wouldn't be able to at least using. The, the, the prior methods be able to say yes this has been edited or no it hasn't because you know the Facebook assigned a whole new set of data when you uploaded it um, in that case really the only way that I can think of off the top of my head and I haven't come across this scenario in any of my cases but in, okay. in theory the way in theory the way that I would deal with it is I would just do a boatload of research about that video um, and other similar videos, get them all together and look at them and say, all right, you know, um, here's, uh, you know, here's some discrepancies between the two. But that would all be done on a very um, manual level, not, you know, analyzing data per se. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. So, um, Joseph, what suggestions? Because, you know, not everybody can afford your company to do social media investigations. Um, like, for instance, uh, criminal cases, court-appointed cases can't afford your services. So <laughs> they, right. people sure. have to do it on their own. So what suggestions do you have for budding social media investigators uh, and how they can operate their um, doing their own investigation? Yeah, you know, um, for somebody, you know, for somebody like that, let, let's say, you know, kind of an, uh, an, an individual who's been, you know, charged with something that they're, you know, that they're not guilty of and, and they're trying to do something on their own, they don't have the money to hire an investigator. Um, you know, there is, there is a lot of, lot of resources um, on the Internet. One of, one of them that, you know, a lot of investigators are going to be um, familiar with, there's a website called Intel Techniques. 
Um, um, Mike, uh, Mike Basil, he's, he's a, you know, very, um, very experienced, very knowledgeable investigator in the cyber, you know, space. Um, he's put together a lot of free tools, um, that, that people can use to, you know, to conduct their own investigation. Certainly, you know, a huge, a huge chunk of them, um, you know, it, they're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna understand. Um, but but going through that, that's where I would, that's where I would direct somebody who's like, hey, I can't afford to pay somebody who really knows what they're doing. I want to do as much as I can myself. I'd say, you know, check out the Intel Techniques website. Okay, that's that's really good advice. And and so, uh, if people wanted to contact you with questions or to hire you for your services, how would they contact you, Joseph? Um, so, so you can send an email to us, um, investigations at boscolegal.org. Uh, our website is boscolegal.org. Um, I will, I will throw a quick, um, a quick plug for ourselves. I'm hiring. I'm, I frankly, I've, okay, I've okay. been in a state, I've been in a state of hiring for the last like six months. You know, just hiring, hiring, hiring. Um, I'm I'm looking for experienced investigators. They would have to be able to work out of our Riverside office. I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not offering remote working situations right now. Um, and and we're I'm only hiring people with some level of experience. You know, I'm I'm, I'm definitely we have to train everybody we hire anyways. But I you know I need somebody with you know some kind of legitimate investigation or legal experience we've been you know we've we, i've got you know some some lawyers who are working for me i've got you know i'm, I'm getting ready to um, hire some insurance adjusters you know paralegals um or you know investigators okay so you're not necessarily looking for licensed investigators so like somebody that did library research would be a good candidate somebody like mm-hmm. that Okay. Yep. Yep. And yeah, and ab- absolutely, absolutely, licensed investigators are great too. Um, the uh, but you know we're 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 at this point um, we're looking for a wide variety of people with you know legal experience um, who uh, and or you know significant you know social media investigation experience. Okay. All right. So um, if if somebody wants to get to do this, um, besides what you, you you said the uh, the Intel techniques by Mike Baskell, uh, Basil B A S I L is that? Uh, no, it's a B. Let's see, B A Z E L L, something like that. Let's see. Okay, I'm really off the mark there. Okay, uh, let's see, B A Z Z E L L. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad I asked. Okay, so Intel Techniques, and then um, uh, do you ever do training yourself, Joseph? Um, not not typically for other investigators. I do a lot of training, and I've done some for law enforcement agencies, um, and I've I've done um, I do a lot of them for like you know kind of law firms and SIU departments. But for general invest you know investigators i i don't there are um a couple a couple resources though that i i recommend to people you know who are wanting to get more in depth um training so the first would be also intel techniques um mike bazell he he's got on his website he does trainings um there's also the mcafee institute um who i've gotten a few certifications from and i'm i serve on their uh, governing board um that they do a lot of you know cyber investigation 
training. Um, there's also the Heather, Heatherington Group yes, out of yes. New, New Jersey. You know, Cynthia, super knowledgeable. You super know. knowledgeable, um, right. Yep. Okay. Yep. And there's also, um, uh, oh, I, now I can't remember her last name, Michelle. Oh, Michelle Stewart from Arizona. Yep. Also does yep. that, and Cynthia yep. is fabulous. Yep. It's interesting you, you mentioned McAfee because I get their ads all the time uh, through email, and I I didn't think they were necessarily something I would be interested in. So I'll explore that. Yeah, you know, and and, and here here's the deal, and and I I do I I, I you know I, I don't have any financial interest in it. Um, the governing board, it's a volunteer thing. You know, one of the things I'll say about McAfee Institute, they've um, they've become their their certification process is, um, is is much more thorough and it's something that is more recognized than anything else, right? You know because they they've got you know an accreditation and they've got you know they've got a process. Um, so the their certifications are um, more recognized than you know some of what you'd get from anywhere else. Um, at the same time, the trainings aren't as necessarily high quality as some of the other trainings that are out there. So it's, so it's a little bit of a trade-off, right? Um, and it's sim- similar to how, you know, getting a, getting a college degree isn't always going to give you the most practical information, but it, it really helps to have, you know, that experience and that piece of paper. And the you know, the on-the-job on the training really helps you more than a college degree. Um, but you kind of, you, you know, I believe you, you kind of need both, right? Um, and so, so, you know, that's my thought. Well, and just, um, this is totally off the top of my head here, but just sounds like that what McAfee would provide is more of a structure of investigations and um, process where, uh, what you get from Cynthia and uh, Michelle are is great information, but it would be better to be pl- able to plug it into a structure. Yeah, am I getting yeah. that right? Yeah, that's yeah. That, I, I think I think that's a, that's a very accurate uh, recap. I, I, I think I think they're I think they're both necessary. Um, you get different things from each one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that because um, I've attended um, Cynthia and, M- and Michelle, both of their uh, presentations, and they're fabulous. I mean, they're, they have so much data, and they're up to date. I mean, they, they stay up till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning the night before their presentations just getting up to date because things, like you say, are changing so rapidly you can't keep up. But at the yep. same time, they can't possibly train you even in an all-day training like you could through another structure. Right. Right. And, and all of these trainings, it's like drinking, it's like drinking from a fire hose. Um, and so you've really <laughs> got to really do it a bunch of times for it to really make sense. Yeah. 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 That, exactly. Exactly right. It's, it's too much. It's, it's overwhelming. Okay, so um, we just have a few minutes left. Uh, Joseph, what would you say has been your most outstanding success on a case with social media? Uh, you know, there, 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 have, 
there have been a lot, and I certainly, I certainly couldn't, I couldn't pick out one. Um, however, one, one comes to mind um, that I, it was really, really an interesting case um, where the, uh, it, it was a personal injury case. Um, the, the individual, and it, it ended up going to trial, the individual was um, asking for $26 million. Um, based on some personal injuries that she had received as a result of a car accident. Um, We found a ton of information, ton of information. Um, One of the really interesting things is a good chunk of the information we initially found was that she really did have some serious injuries, Mm -hmm. right? Like like she was was pretty, pretty serious stuff going on. But as, as happens, she healed and got, you know, and got better. And as the case moved on, she wasn't really admitting to getting better. And so we had, had, a, we had found a lot of content showing that, that she really wasn't as, as injured as, as she was saying. Um, so it ends, up, it ends up, you know, going to trial. Um, the, I, had, uh, I had been designated as an expert in the case um, to present, you know, all the, all the content that, that we found. And the... You know they were they were going to bring me in to kind of explain it all, and the other side because they they knew ahead of time everything that was you know everything that we had they had you know they had come up with a bunch of these arguments about how they were going to try and you know minimize what we found um, and so so i you know I, I I was there at the courthouse ready to and and they were they were they were challenging a lot of it and trying to get it excluded so the jury wouldn't wouldn't see it um, so I, i'm there I'm there at the court I'm ready to go um, you know i've got I'm, I'm loaded for bear, you know. I know, I know, I know all the arguments that they're gonna they're gonna be making, um, and then they ended up uh, not calling me to testify um, because essentially what what the other side ended up doing is they once they realized that I was loaded for bear and that I was ready to come in and they they did the research they realized that you know it wasn't going to go well so they ended up admitting everything into evidence themselves. Yeah. So they could try and mitigate it. Um, and at the end of the day, um, you know, once trial was over, um, they came back with a defense verdict. Um, the, um, the plaintiff ended up getting um, no money, um, which, was, which was really interesting to me because, you know, we know and we had produced evidence that she really had, you know, had had significant injuries, and, and the jury was the jury was asked about it, and they you know, and she did get some past medical, um, but nothing nothing for pain and suffering, which was yeah. where the the bulk was. And the jury ended up saying, "Listen, like yeah. you know, based on everything that we saw, we just we she had, she had zero credibility left with us." That's perfect ending to our show, Joseph. Thank you so much. It was great show. And thank you for giving that example. And tune in again next week, folks, because we're out of time here as we declassify more real stories from real investigators like Joseph Jones and Bosco, uh, the Bosco organization. It's PIs Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to PIs Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel.